Between the Chapters, a weekly podcast discussion focusing on a chapter of the book, 25 Years of EdTech, written by Martin Weller. Here's your host, Laura Pasquini. Welcome to 2015. We're at Chapter 22, Digital Badges. I'm with Joyce Seitzinger for a conversation about everything, badging, credentials, and to talk about what life was like at 2015. Welcome, Joyce. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. So 2015, it's funny, we were just reflecting back before I hit record. Uh, that was a year I came to visit you over uh, a big hop over the pond in Australia, down in Oz. <laughs> yes, that's right. And uh, which led to a lot of fun, um, uh, a lot of ukulele playing, because I think, I, I was I in Dallas the year before and gave you a ukulele is that right yes as a thank you for letting me stay yes that was yes, the best house right. gift ever you all of you take <laughs> lessons if you stay with me you have to up this gift the ukulele was gifted a concert ukulele yes yeah ukuleles are actually i i believe that there's disproportionate people of uh uh tech people uh, who play the ukulele i think there's something about people who are willing to give things a go that is like a hallmark of um, of the tech community, and I think it encourages them to pick up the ukulele and just give it a go. I think you said the right. Um, what I I think it's the idea of if we're going to delve into the world of learning and learning experience, then we better experience it ourselves and be okay with this awkward unknown. So yes, you gifted me a ukulele in 2014. I actually just finished my PhD then, so I could have the time to learn something new, which is great. And um, I went over to visit you, and this ties back to EdTech. Is I joined this mishmash group of EdTech Uestra Orchestra, uh, the group yes. that you share music with, and they're fun chords that we can play. And we actually had a jam session with Robin, Kim, Rory, and it's it's where the EdTechsters go to play. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Uh, it's been a, a, a really great way of connecting people and having fun with people. Because um, I know that all of us ed tech people like to talk about ed tech, but it's also fun to just do something else together. <laughs> yeah, we like that more. So this this little yeah. banter intros get to know you. Twenty fifteen, um, we were both working in and around the higher ed space, and I came over for an, an advising conference and stayed in Melbourne with y'all. And um, yeah, we were part of the online learning consortium. Went to that Innovate conference with you in twenty fourteen, and so we were working in the midst of ed tech. Um, and I brought you to talk about digital badges because I know they're really relevant in the two worlds we were. Was it relevant for you in 2015 at that time or maybe a bit later? Um, so in 2015, I was um, I was not at any particular university, um, but at the time I was, uh, together with my partner Mark, we were running an, uh, a consultancy, consultancy learning design type company where we were... Um, uh, basically, you know, consulting to universities, etc. And it was called Academic Tribe. And I remember getting super, super excited by, by badges and digital badges and what they could bring. I really, at the time, really felt like it was one of the. So I've worked in I've worked in um, uh, online learning and learning design uh, since 1999. Just you know, just before Y2K is when I got started in this field. Um, kind of happened on it by accident and um 
And I've always loved it because it's always been evolving. You, you get to work on lots of different projects. You're always working on new things. So it's been, it's been great. But to be honest, when the digital badges came along, I really felt like, okay, this is really new. Um, because in a way, you know, if you think like about like the SAMR model, you know, like a lot of the work that I've been doing in terms of, uh, you know, supporting people in moving to blended learning or online learning, a lot of it is, it's the same, but now it's digital, you know, like <laughs> here's your digital filing cabinet. Here's your, you know, but this is the time where I really felt like, all right, now we're really harnessing the power of this new technology. This is really the time where we are now able to do fundamental things that exist in higher education in a different way, like credentialing. It is not just a piece of paper. There are limits with a piece of paper. There's limits to how much information it can hold. There's limits to um, how you can verify it. There's limits to how many people you can share it with. There's, you know, like, like it is limited. It is a, it is something that worked in the old system, but it's something that, um, that can be improved upon in so many different ways. You know, it, the, the diploma is too big, you know, like there's just all of these problems with it. And this really felt like the first time that, that we were really starting to push the boundaries of what's possible in higher education or, well, I'm talking about higher education because, you know, that's, that's where I tend to work, but this really felt like this was the first time that we were really starting to harness the technology for what it could actually add to what we already do and how it could change what we already do. So I found it very exciting. And for, I think for about a year or a year and a half, I, I ran um, uh, a little informal uh, group called um, OBANS, uh, Open Badges across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we would have uh, like monthly um, uh, Zoom calls or whatever calls they were. I remember, I think, oh, we put them on YouTube. We used at the time, it was uh, Google Hangouts. So we used Google Hangouts and uh, we would have interesting you know, people who were also interested in digital badges come in and talk. And, uh, and uh, I actually, it was really a place that, that uh, or it was really a space that I was exploring and I really just enjoyed it so much. I love it. Okay. I'm going to break down a few things because I don't know who's listening to this podcast besides my mom. Um, I will mm -hmm. say SAMR is that model that helps educators think about the role of technology in supporting learning. So it's substitution, augmentation, modification, redefinition. I just want to break down acronyms because sometimes we get an alphabet soup in post-secondary ed. Oban, I'm glad you defined because I'm like, that's a single malt scotch whiskey, isn't it? But, um, <laughs> so I'm definitely going to want to link to any of those kind of resources or archives you have. If you have anything from YouTube, we'll share with our, our listeners. And mm -hmm. what you said about the exciting piece, which I think really is key, and I love that this is a chapter, is the accomplishments, skills, and qualities and things that are really good at are you're right, wrapped into these large degrees if you're graduating from a two or four year school. But what is the actual skill or the competency or the ability that you want to showcase? And there's so much um, that's talked about in this chapter from metadata, which we've talked about in previous chapters, and things that we might capture in a portfolio or on a blog. But this gives it some sort of I guess, placeholder, or maybe it chunks it out and pulls out what that is beyond like a course or a whole curriculum. And I love that you got excited about it. What what's, um, are some of the things that you learned maybe from the work you started doing in Open Badges? Because I think you did some of this with RMIT. 
Um, well, so we do. So yes. Um, so currently, I am working as a director of SX Innovation, Student Experience Innovation at RMIT Online. RMIT Online is the um, the digital arm, I suppose, uh, of the of the university. Um, and we've been around since 2016, so not long after this chapter. Um, and yes, with digital badges and credentialing are a big part of um, how we recognize our students for um, the skills that they attain. Um, our digital badges sit at two levels. We uh, students can get credentialed for the short courses that they do with us. Uh, these are very much uh, they're they're non-accredited, but they are aimed at. Uh, working professionals who want to upskill in new areas. All of our uh, future skills courses are, uh, are set in uh, or are aimed at providing skills in the future of work. So it's very much about closing the, the, the digital technology gap um, and, and preparing people to, to um, successfully navigate the, uh, the world of work. So um, I think that's really critical, though. Like, I, I want to pause you there for, for a second, because I yeah. think we don't recognize the relationship that learning, formal learning entities like a university or college could have with professional um, associations, organizations, companies and firms is really critical. And we don't do that gap. So like badging, I never saw it as a replacement for a degree. And maybe there was that threat because it came popular only at a few schools in North America that I can think of. But it's not to replace it. It's just to say, like, these are some things you actually can identify and share with an employer or you as a potential like job searching candidate. Um, what do you want to highlight? And this does come after like the chapter on MOOCs where people were learning things, but what was the proof of learning? So you wrap them, it sounds like, in some of these courses or curriculum aspects to say, this is also how you're verified with this badge. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. And we encourage our students to, uh, uh, you know, to download their badge, obviously, and, and, and uh, after they've earned it, uh, but also to share it through their social media and share it to their LinkedIn, you know, as, as that evidence of learning. Um, in that way, it's been, you know, you were asking like, what was the thing that got me so excited about it? I think it's that the, the idea that it becomes like a shorthand, like a way of communicating that evidence of learning in a way that Earlier, <laughs> the higher ed community, the ed tech community was talking about e-portfolios as this is your evidence of learning. You'll be able to create an e-portfolio that you can send to an employer. I think people underestimated just the, <laughs> the sheer volume of information and output that people create through, you know, through their time at a university um, and how difficult it would be, like just logistically, how difficult it would be for an employer to actually you know, go through people's e-portfolios. You would do that for maybe your final three candidates, right? You're not going to do it for the 120 people that applied for the role. So in a way, what you want to have is you want to have a shorthand, but a trusted shorthand, yeah. you know, more than just a bullet point on a LinkedIn uh, uh, profile, Um but less than an entire portfolio. And it has to be trusted. It has to be by a trusted name. It has to, because I think that's the thing that, that and um, oh my goodness, I can't remember now, but there was a woman in Scotland who was doing a lot of work around getting recognition from employers for uh, digital badging. So the work that she was doing was around getting employers um, 
to, well, having open conversations with employers about how they would use digital badges. And what she found was that um, they needed it to, that they needed to have a trust relationship with the issuer. So this is something that probably wasn't recognized earlier, but when somebody says, I have a bachelor's degree from Oxford University, or if I have a bachelor's degree from U Melbourne University, you know, that immediately conjures something um, in an employer's mind. Like it says something about who you are, what they can expect you to know, et cetera. Like there's, it is a shorthand, but it's a very large shorthand, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the credential has the capability to do that at a smaller level, but um, it still needs to be issued by someone who is trustworthy. Um, and so you need to you need to almost if you're going to do digital badges, say at a national level, you almost need to recreate an entire system of trust. Trust is huge. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about it in terms of like what employers want to see, and they are wanting to work with education systems and bodies and schools individually because they are looking for credentials that. Are lacking. There's a skills gap. We know this in the world yes. of work. And I think you mentioned, as we talk about the future of work, if you haven't read the future of jobs reports from the World Economic Forum um, to anything that you nationally kind of follow, we could do better with matching um, the need in the labor and the workforce with what we're training and teaching in our classrooms. There is sometimes not a connection. We're doing better, but it is thinking about personalizing, making it performance-based and competency-based and being realistic to like, what's the work needing? So I I work in a field that we need more cloud computing folks or edge computing folks now because that's where it is. And are they being taught these in computer science courses? Maybe, but maybe not. And so like, how do we partner with, um, and you and I both work in online learning for many years now, like how do we do that officially and who's that accrediting body? And I think we underestimated it. And I know I did in higher ed at the time back in 2015, um, the value of official accreditation and credential into a workforce position is huge. And I yeah. think this chapter um, comes after portfolios for a good reason. And maybe something we'll continue to look at in the future, like the word micro credential. I don't know if it's, if it's used in this chapter, but that's what I'm thinking of now and thinking of digital badges and where we go now. Yeah. It's, um, Absolutely. That that evidence of continued learning almost is so essential and the ability to uh, continue, you know, not just through doing the training, but actually collecting the credentials after you have, after you're already in work. So I was speaking earlier about how RMIT Online, we've got basically like two levels of, uh, of digital credentials. Um, and, 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 and this really sits at the DNA of, of what we do because our vision is um, supporting a community of lifelong learners successfully navigating the world of work. And so it's not just about you do your degree with us and then you leave. It's about we want to be there with you when you continue um, uh, in your professional career. And so we have those future skills courses, which are like six to eight week courses um, around a specific, uh, you know, future of work skills area. But we've also got smaller um, digital credentials that are really like can be anywhere from like two to four to eight hours. They're very short. Pick up this particular skill and, you know, immediately begin applying it in the workplace. Uh, and that's, you know, that's much more versatile. One, it's much easier for us to produce obviously, um, to design, et cetera. But you can be really, really responsive to a particular skills gap that emerges. Like, for instance, last year, 
um, we uh, we responded to the pandemic. You know, we very quickly um, put together three digital health courses, uh, one all about providing telehealth services because that's what was needed. And so um, having a more modularized system allows you to be more agile and to respond to what is actually needed in that um, workforce. Well, I thought of it too when I, you know, quit my job in academia and I decided to go into the workforce. I said like, sure, I have a degree, but what does that mean if I'm going to go into an area of talent or something else? So like I did a um, a certification exam, a couple exams to go see that. And we have recognized things like project management, PMP, PRINCE2 certifications. We have things around Cisco networking. Like these are accrediting bodies out there that we haven't really thought to partner better with. And I, I don't know if I thought I had to prove I had this skill set that someone else did, but it means something to get this sort of certification and leveling up of not that you've just done and studied it, but you've applied it in practice now. And then you've learned it and you can now show in performance and competency base that a future employer would be like, oh, I recognize that. That is an international ISO recommended, like, yeah. you know, ISO certification to, I don't know, yeah. coaching is what I'm thinking about the International Coaching Federation. So it's kind of a an interesting concept because I think more people and our learners are adult learners and often older adults in transition, like they don't want to go back for a full degree or they think a full degree when maybe they just need some other credential and maybe this is where we're heading. I don't know. I hope maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think that um, just something you said just sparked for me, uh, you know, like we have all these other accrediting bodies, et cetera. Um, do you think that the success of digital badges and, and you know, um, in, in the chapter, Martin does refer to it like it's like the acceptance by, by students has been mixed. The acceptance by um, uh, educational organizations has been mixed. Do you think that there is a limit to how much a new technology and a real new power um, can achieve uh, because we are just... Because in order for it to be really successful, you would have to have almost like a, a, an entire cultural change across an entire national higher education system or something like that. Like, is it going to be limited if your government doesn't um, actually institute like a national digital skills uh, matrix or something like that? It's a great question. I was actually going to say like the campus level or the organization, like I was going to say like, you're great because we come from um, usually national, uh, nationally, Australia, the UK, Canada, they will embrace a national initiative. I have to think about it at a university level, but how will a faculty yeah. member say, how dare you challenge my program, you outside body? Because I think of, um, so I did mine in talent development, the organization, Association for Talent Development. I did the formerly CPLP, the Certified Professional in Talent Development is what it's called. And that's an exam and it's applied and it's experiential. And I was like, I guess this is well-recognized, but it was never pushed into my curriculum and learning in a PhD program that this is also relevant, or maybe I should do a project management training, or maybe I should do something else that certifies me as a UX designer. Um, yeah. Really relevant for employers. So I would actually say maybe it's ourselves, like maybe it's our staff and faculty and administrators, like maybe we need to step out of a, we know all the knowledge and talk to like industry leaders, associations and organizations organizations that are like, these are the gaps. I, I think it's about <sighs> recognizing that we all don't have the answer ourselves. And how could we more collaboratively, and I said this in um, a digital skills report I did for 
formerly NMC, RIP, um, but now Educause, uh, they did a digital brief report for students five years out of their degree. And they said, what are the gaps? And there's lots of gaps that they have in digital skills is just an example, but they're going to need to tool up if they want to be relevant and they want to adapt to a changing work environment. So maybe we need to have more conversations with uh, organizations in various industries come together. And higher ed, you're in industry too. Maybe we need to have open dialogue about what that looks like and how we're training and teaching and learning. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's interesting. Maybe maybe you don't need a national uptake of these types of things, but maybe you can do it industry by industry because I think there is something there around like the intersection between the curriculum that you have <laughs> the skills matrix of the industry that you're targeting and then where the student actually sits with their knowledge and achievements, right? And their skills and their experience and making sure that you can actually, you know, calibrate across all, th- you need to be able to calibrate across all three of those actors. But that does mean that you don't necessarily need to, you know, you're right. You don't necessarily need to go wholesale nationwide. Although I believe New Zealand did adopt like a national standard for uh, digital credentials, which, you know, and, and at the time, back in 2015 at Obans, I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And also thinking, because I had li- previously lived in New Zealand, I was now living in Australia thinking, I wouldn't even know where to start in Australia with this. But in New Zealand, in a small country, this would be a lot easier. You know, I would know the people to talk to in order to get uh, that. And And in fact, so they have. Um, but yes, absolutely. You need to, you know, you might not need that that national buy-in, but if but I think it is essential that you have a, a sector buy-in by a particular industry sector so that the skills um, uh, the skills matrix across that sector is well understood and you can understand how to train people for it on the curriculum side and design for it on the curriculum side, so that you can then provide, you know, the learner who has to meet both of those, um, who has to navigate both the sides of that um, relationship uh, can really calibrate where they sit on their path and the, 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 the digital skills gaps that they still have. I think you're right. And I, I like how Martin ends. He's like, it's not the mainstream adoption that they thought it was going to be. But I do think that's a good call out. Like I have a partner that works in cybersecurity and they can't fill those jobs and those roles no. in any, no. any sector. Data science. Yeah, data science is the same. And the reason is because we haven't found ways to better upskill. And I think that's where I think of the, that micro-credentialing possibility, but maybe in partnership. Like we've seen, um, it's funny, this like chapter is merging with MOOCs, merging with industry. Um, we need to have some of those real conversations because as we go to like recruit for roles, I'm thinking at uh, my organization, like they're, they're just not there and we need to like upskill them when they come, but figure out what's the potential level. Or do we go to the institutions and say, we really need you to be a target for getting people in for this skill, this technology, this ability. Um, I think it's a combination. And I think there are some schools doing it well around the world. Uh, we've just not figured it out, like, I guess that trusting body or, or, or will we go that back to the professional and vocational orgs? I wonder if that's the case. And maybe that is the case where some people are going these days. Yeah, Um I know that we did some work here in Australia. So back in, back 
back in 2015 and 2016, maybe going into 2016, we did some work with one of the accrediting bodies here in Australia called the Australian Institute for Training and Development. Um, I, you know, got on my hobby horse and did a keynote for them at one of their conferences about badges and about what all the things that it could bring. Because, um, like I said, I was really excited about it, and um, and they, they they heard it and they came to us and said, "Let's do this." You know, we already have a training program. Uh, we already have, um, uh, you know, ways that we run those workshops. Uh, you know, it's well recognized. But this is the final bit that's missing. We haven't got, you know, we, we send people a paper certificate, but, um, you know, we haven't got a digital badge that they can actually, um, that, that people can keep, that, that establishes the trust relationship, um, that has the metadata in it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we did a project with them. And maybe it, maybe it is those bodies. I think when those bodies already have that trust, um, own that trust uh, in in the eyes of society, I think yes, that can work. I think that's more difficult, maybe in those new skills gaps. Like you haven't got the the, the accrediting bodies there. Yeah. But the the problem with places like well, what this is what we find because um, we you know obviously since our courses are in the future of work and our programs increasingly are as well. Um, I don't know about you, but like I have the hardest time trying to, we have the hardest time trying to find um, cybersecurity experts who can be SMEs on our course builds because you know what? They're too busy being cybersecurity experts. Same for data scientists. Um, so I would say that they're probably too busy to be on accrediting bodies as well. <laughs> well, and they're also building as they go. Like there's some things they're yeah. learning, like there's this field and these other fields around information or there's other like areas that are growing. Like we know that the skills gap is there because they're still learning as they go and they don't have it fully defined yet either. Um, yeah. Like past Laura wrote this report with the horizon. So the horizon brief was really talking about how we it's maybe it's, the aspect of us going back to really emphasizing lifelong learning. And I wasn't the first one to say this. Other people have said this before, probably George Seaman said something like instead of a four-year relationship with the university, we need to think about a 40 year relationship and maybe mm. little badges or micro credentials or up ways to upskill really reinvent how we go about it. We just have to break down some of like the old models of this is a semester or term. This is oh, a yeah. C or certificate. Like and to like maybe there's like like skills that we can chunk and pull out. And I don't know. I think we have a lot to still mm. learn. And I would, I would love to know people that are doing this to be honest and doing it well. Yeah. There's a there was a great um uh project that was done at I believe it was at Stanford University where they tried to uh, hypothesize like the future of the university. And I think they looked like 25 years out. They came up with several different models, uh, but one of the models was really interesting. It was called the loop. And it was basically about, you know, students starting to, um, to study with a university, but yes, coming in and out and not being seen. They actually changed the idea. Uh, they challenged the term alumnus and they talked about uh, a populace instead. So instead of having alumni, you would have populi. It's basically your population. You know, it's not the people don't leave. Um, they they remain attached to your entity and they keep coming back to you for learning. Um, absolutely, that's why we need to be. But I think it that is another case of are we fighting such a structural thing of how people perceive higher education that it's difficult to get that buy-in. Like, 
if you think about higher education, the structure of higher education is so um, embedded in society. The way that it works is such a crucial part of how society works. Can you challenge that? Okay, I think we need to challenge it from within. And um, I know I'm not within right now, but I know this pandemic is having people think about it. And it's going to be those institutions and um, that are coming together as a community to say, let's rethink of what learning could look like and not what it's been, but what it could be. Um, I think it's funny that this chapter initially stalked start talking about gamifying and leveling up with badges because I actually think oh, the badges were so excited about that. <laughs> it, but I think it's got some bigger purpose of how do you live on and take these credentials with you? Um, and it's kind of like portfolio means uh, certification meets your digital self, professional self um, and showcasing what you've done. I think it has such value and maybe that was a flaw is let's forget about gamifying it, but thinking about of like, what's going to make meaning in trusted skills and abilities for work. And that's the ROI. When uh, I've heard um, presidents been asked questions like what's the ROI of this degree? Well, who knows? But the ROI of a digital badge might actually be worth something if someone is looking for their first role or transitioning between um, a different uh, career. I think that's something I'm thinking more about these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I like what you just the 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 phrase you just used, the digital self, because um, you know, hearing you use that, I was like. Oh right, that's that's how I was thinking about it at the time as well. Is the like this is the first time that you can really put these digital artifacts around yourself. That's that that attached to the digital identity that you've built for yourself. And now you have these digital artifacts that can actually show, you know, the skills, the knowledge, the experience that you have. And um it, and and they those digital artifacts become that shorthand to somebody else to say, oh, here is this person, and here's what they know, and here's why you know, they may be of interest to you or uh, of to us, or maybe this is, you know, even on a personal level, you know, maybe this is why I want to work with this person. Yeah. Verified, verified self. It's kind of weird. It's a weird space to be in. Verified digital self. And now we're into creepiness. Yes, I know. (laughs) And I get this and I think it's weird too. And I just want to say that like it can be creepy and is this you and now you online. I have so many issues with identity online and, and, how we evolve as professionals. So like I'm reading a good book called Working Identity right now. It's an old, old one. But the idea is, does it give people a place to experiment with growing themselves? I hope so. But like, you don't want to be locked in like you're just this thing. I'm like, no, we're all becoming and evolving. And so, yeah, I have some issues with this too, Joyce. So I don't know yeah. entirely. Yeah, I know. So on the one hand, <laughs> yes, exciting. On the other hand, ugh, a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I do think um, I'm really grateful that Martin has this job in so we can like work in this murky middle and try and figure it out. I wonder if there is there anything missing you think from this chapter that you would have liked him to write about a bit more or something we should poke at for the community to think on? Gosh, nothing immediately comes to mind. Not saying that it's complete, but um, I think we've covered most of the things that I thought, you know, that that were pertinent about the badges. Have you gotten a badge of certification lately? Oh my God, I'm doing a badge at the moment. Tell me about that then. Um, well, I'm not doing it very successfully, but I'm on leave next week and I will power through this short course. So um, I uh, so I've recently transitioned roles. There you go. I'm a, I'm a perfect example. 
exclusively Good. traditions roles. I've gone from being in a role um, that I'm highly comfortable in. I was working uh, as a director of learning design. I know learning design. I've been doing it for a long time, et cetera. I've moved into um, uh, a role as director of uh, student experience innovation. Um, lots of things there that I know as well. But there's a few skills gaps that I identified for myself. And um, luckily where I am um, uh, at RMIT Online, uh, we uh, we get to drink our own champagne, as we like to say. And <laughs> I like so that. I enrolled in one of our short courses and um, and, I, uh, I, and I'm currently doing a business analytics and visualization uh, course. Cool. Yeah. But like I said, haven't had a lot of time for it over the last few weeks, but I've still got two weeks to finish it. So um, hopefully on annual leave next week, I will power through and um, and come out a business analytics guru. Well, I think that's fantastic. I will say that just still excite me. And maybe this is like my Girl Scout or Girl Guide is what we call them in Canada. My Girl Guide day it's like getting like little badges to say, I can do something like light a fire or hike this trail or build a tent. I don't know. And I do think they're kind of fun and rewarding. Like I didn't think I would get that excited when I got my CPTD, but I was like, oh, I get a certificate and an actual bad digital badge. And it was on my <laughs> LinkedIn and it says something, it communicates your value. And that's kind of something yeah. I want to call out is badging is not just fun and incentivizing. It gives um, kind of your value and worth and what you're interested in doing professionally. I think that says a lot or how you're willing, interested in growing, like you said, or figuring out like, I don't know this thing, but I'm going to learn it. And here's proof. Ta-da. Yeah. Yeah. Ta-da. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And you know what, you know what the other thing is, here's, here's the thing, here's the other, you know, maybe a more emotional reason to have uh, more modularized credentials you know, you want to say ta-da more often on your learning journey. You don't just want to say it after three years of hard, uh, of hard slog, you know. Let's say ta-da every single time that somebody achieves something. We need small wins. I'm with you. We need mm. milestones and small wins along the way to incentivize and motivate. This is all about like self-directed learning. Jo- Joyce, that's it. People need to hire us to do more work on this. I think it's great. Yes, that's right. That's it. <laughs> Um, so before we wrap up, I always like to give questions, uh, whether it's to Martin himself or the community on, um, something you want to kind of pose to folks to think about the idea of digital badging or anything related that we talked to that maybe we could chew on for the future. Cause I don't think they're entirely out of the way. Um, so what's a question you'd like to pose to people around digital badges? As you ponder yours, I'll give you my question. What are the small pieces of whether you're teaching, learning, researching, or in practice that you could break down and, yeah, like give recognition for at some point or say this competency has been met? And I don't think we think about this as often because we're like, it's all just part of this program or this degree or this certificate. Well, could you do that for um, something on your staff team? Could you do something within a, a degree program that gives people little pieces of recognition that this is something you really value in your curriculum or as a research step? And I think that would be really cool. And I don't know. I don't know what my badges might have been. Like I might have put in a, a mentoring one for um, someone that did peer mentoring, or I might have put in like something around the lines of, um, yeah, they figured out Python. Gosh, I should have badged a lot more of my students earlier on in my courses, like things like that to say, you got this and you did this to maybe use it as a motivation. So are there ways you could think about creating 
bits of motivation and milestones for your own kind of work and practice is what I'm thinking about these days. It's really interesting. Uh, and and and, <laughs> and then it comes back to you know how well. So what you're asked what you're saying and what you're encouraging people to do goes back to you know the early days of digital badges and you know credly etc and like anyone can create a badge but I think what we've learned since then is that a badge's value it a badge's badge's value is essentially linked to the system it exists within so if it's me Laura giving you a badge today after you know for giving for doing a good podcast that's nice for you and that's motivating um but it doesn't count anything for anybody else. So, um, so I would say. Uh, so, my question then to the community would probably be actually more on the on the macro side of it is like, what are the limitations within your own system? What are the possibilities, but also the limitation within your own system of how far uh, digital credentials can actually go? You know, and and what can you do in order to embed it in your system, uh, but also you know like consider what the limitations actually are. Yeah. Like what connections can you make to credentials that are out there maybe? And what those gaps are. I would love us to do more work with um, understanding the workforce and making those connections to um, not just employability, but like as people want to think about career growth and development, I think that's really important. So so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, if if you're somebody who's working inside a university or, um, you know, working in, another educational context is what are the systems that you need to tap into uh, or that you can hook credentials into rather than trying to set up a separate system um, uh, that, that lives in parallel with it. I like that choice. Find the people that are doing some of that now and Mm. partner with collaborate with great. All right. We solved badges. So um, Martin, thank you. We're done. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for encouraging us to have this conversation. Uh, Joyce, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat about this. And it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. So I'm glad that. Yeah. And don't forget that we were having this conversation at 7 a.m. in the morning in Australia. So, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't change. Don't change. Uh, folks, we'd love to know how you're bringing badging or micro-credentials or any of this um digital recognition into your life. So let us know, tweet at us, send us a message. Hey, you can even create an audio podcast. I might put that into this as well. So until next time, see you later. Thanks, Laura. You've been listening to Between the Chapters with your host, Laura Pisquini. For more information or to subscribe to Between the Chapters and 25 Years of Ed Tech, visit 25years.opened.ca.